time for the Retirement Roadmap Podcast with registered financial consultant, Glenn Mosseller. Well, we've got a great podcast on tap for you today. Walter Storholt here alongside Glenn Mosseller, registered financial consultant and the founder and president of Roadmap Financial Consulting. And this is the Retirement Roadmap Podcast, serving you not only in Greensboro, but in the surrounding areas as well. You can find us online at greensbororetirement.com. On today's podcast, we're going to talk about what happens when you make assumptions. Well, you make a – oh, no, no, I'm not going to go through that full thing. But we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll keep it PG here on the show. But, no, seriously, when it comes to making assumptions, we have to be careful about certain areas, especially in retirement planning, because we really need to make sure we know all the facts before we start basing our decisions on these assumptions because, Glenn – if we get these things wrong, it's going to throw off the entire rest of the plan. It's not going to just be a wrong equation in a vacuum. It's going to throw everything else that we've planned for out of whack. And I know that's something that you probably see frequently as, as a big danger of, of folks who have kind of based important decisions off of bad information. Oh, no, you see that happen, Walter. You know, you, you have folks come in, you know, for the first time and they, you know, start having conversation and they say, well, I'm planning on doing this and then I'm planning on doing that. And and, you know, and then you take a step back and say, well, you know, well, how did you decide on having that as a plan? You know, and very oftentimes it's, you know, it's it, they've been listening to, you know, to radio shows or watching somebody on TV. And it's like the folks that I call the, uh, the financial entertainers, right, that are giving yes. the one size fits all answers. Most oftentimes, you know, the answers that they're putting out there can be they can fit. But it doesn't mean it fits everybody. I mean, everybody's situation's a little bit different. And, you know, like you say, I mean, you can put yourself in, in a really um, in less of a position than you really want to be, you know, if you just say, well, I trust this person's advice and they, I like what they have to say, you know, and, and so I'm just going to do that. Well, you know, you really want to make sure that it applies to you and your situation. And I know that that, that seems obvious, but sometimes the, the obvious things are overlooked because it's like you, they, you just don't think about what are the details of that. And so it's um, I always say it's like take a step back and let's evaluate where you're at. What resources do you have? What are the plans? What are the goals? What are the concerns? And then we can develop things from there. But we want to be careful about making, you know, uh, globalized assumptions because, like you say, I mean, mm -hmm. if you make an assumption and base decisions off of it, if it really didn't apply to you, you know, as, as much as you thought it might, then you might end up in a place that you would rather not be. Well, we've got four bad assumptions that we tend to see frequently people making in their retirement preparations. And so, Glenn, I'll throw you the assumption. You tell us why it's so bad and, you know, why it's dangerous to assume these things and what you might suggest instead or a different way to approach the particular situation. One great example is when it comes to Roth IRAs, making the assumption that it's going to save you money in the end. Or we could flip that around and say some people have the complete opposite view, this sort of universal truth that a traditional IRA is going to save you money. Why is either one of those directions, uh, to kind of take that as an absolute, a risky assumption? Well, Walter, because, I mean, when we're talking about IRAs and Roth IRA versus a traditional IRA, we're, we're really talking about the tax treatment, right, and as to when you pay the taxes. If you have a traditional IRA or you know, a lot of times that money comes from a, a 401k rollover, it's basically it's all pre-tax money, right? I mean, it's, it's money that is going into the account and it's never been taxed yet versus the Roth money is, is money that you pay taxes on first and then it goes into the account. So then you have to think in terms of well, where are you going to be tax-wise? Do you have other resources? You know, you're going to have Social Security checked. 
you're going to have a pension. You know, is your is your spouse going to have um, other income, or are you single? And you know, then you have to start like you know looking at the tax return and knowing it's like okay, well, what is the adjusted gross income? What are the deductions? What is the you know what is the taxable income? You know, you really all of those things will play into you know whether or not the Roth or the traditional is the best fit. I see some situations where folks have you know oversaved in the in the pre-tax accounts and they created a scenario where now they're locked in and they're going to definitely pay you know taxes on 85% of their of their social security in perpetuity because it's the you know the the way that they've structured their assets i have other situations where i've seen people come in and they in their in their previous planning or maybe you know basing things off of reading a book or or you know or listening you know to you know some generic advice you know they said well i'll just put everything into roth and so suddenly they have a scenario where every Everything's tax-free, but but at the same time, they are letting deductions go to waste. That you know that otherwise they would be able to have income that would be subject to taxation. But if they were able to take the deductions, they could still end up in a very favorable tax position, and they would have been able to take the deductions and not paid any taxes or very little taxes on the distribution. So it's it's all linked to the tax code and the tax preparation and the tax planning. And boy, I tell you what, if you get that one wrong, you can, you can really end up sending Uncle Sam, you know, significantly more money than you have to. And it's really where you've got to dive down and, and really do some planning about what kind of account do you have and how does it interact with the other accounts and the other income streams that you have and make sure that that you're being efficient. Because otherwise, it's just you're just letting money just fly out out of your bank account and it doesn't necessarily have to. Yeah, it doesn't have to at all. And that's why that's such a big concern when people kind of think in these absolutes. And it's okay, we all do it, sometimes just different subjects, but we all kind of make these different assumptions about our finances. Maybe it's something that's been kind of a long-held belief that just isn't accurate anymore these days. Maybe it's just something we thought we heard appropriately or properly, and we didn't hear you know, the full story. We only got half the story, and therefore we don't have a fully developed opinion on it. But yet we start making these decisions based off of these things. That's where we've got to be really careful. One of those areas where I think this has sort of just been a long-held belief, or maybe it's just because it's such an easy answer, a lot of people hold on to this as being a good assumption, Glenn, and it has to do with Social Security. And it's the assumption that says delaying Social Security, if possible— is going to yield the most income over the long haul. Right. Well, I mean, and that and that might be true, right? And then again, it might not be. Again, it depends upon the particular situation. I mean, you know, there's a lot of cases where that does make a lot of sense, but there's other cases where maybe not so much. And and then we also have situations where, you know, if we have a married couple and one person, one person might delay and that might make sense and the other person might might not delay, maybe they take it early. Again, it depends upon the whole the whole enchilada, so to speak, right? I mean, if you look at, well, you know, are you continuing to work, or is your spouse continuing to work? If you start taking that Social Security benefit when there's a significant other income on the tax return, then suddenly you're you might be paying taxes on Social Security that you didn't necessarily have to. At the same time, you know, you, it, it's like I say, you've got to take a step back and, and evaluate the whole the whole picture. You know, the other thing that comes into delaying Social Security is, you know, not just the possible spousal benefit or survivor benefit, but what if you're single? You know, I mean, should you delay? I mean, there's sometimes when you should and sometimes maybe when you shouldn't. But it really, I think what needs to happen is, is you have to go through an analysis of looking at things objectively and then determining, you know, out of the facts that are in your situation, what's going to be best. 
rather than you know just taking a tip from somebody and say, oh, well, everybody should always do this. I always tell everybody, you know, be careful with always, right? I mean, it, it, because there's, it, it's inevitably, there's going to be exceptions to every rule. And so you really got to make sure that it really does fit your situation and it's the right thing for you. You know, that's why we do those consultations to sit down with folks and really, you know, review and see, you know, does this make sense? Or maybe, maybe a different strategy might be, might be better. Yeah. Big, important thing to be thinking about there for sure. Lots of little considerations to think about when it comes to social security. Sometimes the obvious answer is not the correct one. Something else where we see that become a similar situation, Glenn, is when it comes to putting most of your money in bonds to create a safer portfolio. For a long time, the assumption has been you move out of stocks and into bonds to accomplish that goal of creating safety. Is that a bad assumption to make in today's environment? Well, Walter, I mean, you always have to look at what is what are the market conditions, right? And like you say, I mean, that that basic assumption has been true for golly. I mean, you, you have to go way back, you know, to the late 70s, early 80s, probably about, you know, 30, 35 years ago when interest rates were, you know, way, way up there. You know, I mean, you remember the, the time when inflation was running high and, 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 you know, even you would go to get a mortgage and it was like 15, 18 percent back in the early 80s. And, you know, ever since then, you know, up until just recently, you know, interest rates have been falling. Well, that's been a very good thing in terms of the price of bonds. And sometimes people don't realize that that inverse relationship. But you kind of have to think about it this way. Let's let's just assume for the moment that you have a bond that's going to pay you four percent. Right. And you're just assuming that you're going to you're going to collect that yield and you're going to collect that until until it comes to maturity. And then at that point, then you would get your principal back and then you would move on and try to determine where you're going to put that money next. Well, let's just say that you really weren't able to wait till maturity. Something came up and that you needed to raise cash. Well, if you had needed to raise cash and let's say interest rates were falling and, and it went from 4% to 3% and now you're going to go sell your bond. Well, you know, everybody that's showing up in the marketplace if they want to buy you know, that, that type of bond, they're going to receive 3%, and yours is paying 4 Well, obviously, yours is far more valuable, so you know, now you might be able to sell that at a gain and so that it yields the next person you know, 3%, and, and so they get what's in the marketplace, and you get a gain on what you had previously purchased. On the other hand, if we're in a rising interest rate environment, and let's say you have that same 4% bond, and now it's paying 5 in the open marketplace and yours is still paying four and now you want to you need to raise money and sell it well does anybody want your four percent bond when they can get five you know all day every day well obviously not i mean so now you're going to have to sell it at a discount so that it yields that next person five and so now you're going to be taking a loss so to kind of step back to your question about is putting money into bonds you know safe or safer well, again, it, it, it kind of depends upon what are the conditions in the marketplace, but I think everybody's kind of you know paying attention and, and listening to you know what the Fed is saying and, and all the all, all the things that are going on in the economy, and we're starting to see interest rates rising. So we might not be in the same environment that we've been for the last you know number of you know literally decades, like thirty or thirty-five years. We've reached a point where interest rates really can't go very much lower if they go lower at all, and they're really beginning to rise. And so now we have to look at it with a new set of lenses to really see what bonds are, are what are they going to do going forward. Does that make sense? Makes a lot of sense. And I know that that's a really popular conversation to have uh, because so many people do have questions about, you know, do I have the proper mix of stocks and bonds and mutual funds and those kinds of things? And safety usually is the 
you know, sure. kind of the crux of the conversation of the situation that people are investigating there. So it's an right. important important thing to consider. One last assumption that we can cover, and this is by no means an exhaustive list, but one last uh, item we can at least talk about here is when people make that assumption that taking a lump sum when given the option uh, is going to be the best approach. I guess this is often in the discussion of, like, uh, instead of taking a pension, you're offered the lump sum. There's an assumption right. that's always going to be the best way to go. Well, again, Walter, I mean, it's it's one of those answers that it depends, all right? There are situations where, you know, taking the monthly payout might end up being a better scenario. There's also situations where taking the lump sum is a better scenario. You know, it, it really, a lot of it comes into, you know, are, again, are you single? Are you married? You know, is it important to you to be able to, if something did happen to you, to, you know, to leave that, you know, a legacy and leave the asset to somebody else? Or, you know, is the income for you really the, you know, the, the thing that's going to matter the most? There's a lot of factors that go into that. It also comes into the taxes, right? You know, you start looking at, you know, sometimes folks have, you know, a, a pension that they, they, they can receive a monthly income on, but then at the same time, they also have maybe a, a lot of uh, 401k money or traditional IRA money that's going to be subject to taxation. And so when they, those distributions start coming out, whether they come out earlier or whether it, it's at 70 and a half when we have the required minimum distribution, you know, when that interplays with Social Security, now suddenly we might have a scenario where Social Security becomes subject to taxation because of how much other income we had. And if we would have positioned differently, then maybe we could have, you know, lowered our, our, you know, our income on the tax return and repositioned and taken money a little bit differently and ended up being able to save more money and, and keep it in your pocket. So it, it really depends upon, you know, your, your, your particulars and, and what's going on in your life. What assets do you have? What resources do you have? And what kind of cash flow do you have? And from what sources are they coming? Because un unfortunately, all this stuff gets more complicated when you have multiple streams of income and they're not all treated the same way in the tax code. And again, income planning and, you know, and tax planning, you know, go hand in glove. And that really comes into play when we're talking about a pension, because like you say, you could take it as a lump sum and roll it into an IRA. You could take it as a monthly income. Well, there's no way to really know which one is the best way just by only knowing that. We have to do some deeper analysis to determine, hey, you know, under these circumstances, this, this would be better. And under those circumstances, the other answer might be better. Yeah, all important decisions. How do you, Glenn, to put a bow on the conversation today, uh, help people kind of walk through these conversations? If if you discover somebody's making a bad financial assumption, and maybe they've even made you know, choices already based off of that assumption, are you able to kind of undo some of those issues with folks, or are we kind of just out of luck? Well, sometimes you can and sometimes you can't, right? I mean, it, it's like, you know, for instance, like we were just talking about, if you take a lump sum, Right. Well, typically, most times that, you know, if you're making a decision about a pension, whether whether it's to take the monthly income or whether it's to take the lump sum, I mean, once you've submitted that, you know, that paperwork and you made that decision and they process it, it's irrevocable. I mean, it, it can't change. And so in that scenario, it's tough. There are other situations that might have a little bit more flexibility and you might have some wiggle room or maybe if you have have a, one scenario where maybe something can't change. But then there's some another piece of your financial puzzle that could change that you were planning on doing one way. But now that we realize that there's other strategies, maybe you could do it, do that portion a little bit differently so that they interplay a little differently and, and have more benefit to you. Again, it, it really comes down to analysis and really doing the planning and, and looking at it, you know, objectively and evaluating the facts. And, 
And, you know, unfortunately, there's a lot of things out there for most people, especially when we start thinking about taxes and tax planning. There's pieces of the puzzle that you don't know what you don't know. And so if you start making assumptions on, you know, on things that are unknown and, and you have unintended consequences, that can easily happen. And that's why you really want to do the analysis and, and do that strategy session and really dive into it and say, hey, is this going to be better or is that going to be better? You know, and I kind of think that this is, but... I'd like to get a second opinion. And that's really, you know, if you if you stay open to that, you're going to serve yourself well so that you can you can really make sure that, you know, two sets of eyes or, 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 or two people thinking about things. And you can oftentimes be a lot better than just one, especially if somebody has a lot of uh, background in it. And that's what they do all day, every day. And that's their career. They're going to know strategies that you don't. Just like, you know, if you're you're been in your career for, you know, 20, 30, 40 years, I mean, you're going to know a lot of things about about your particular area of expertise that the average person's not going to. And money is no different than that. And, you know, tax planning and income planning is no different than that. So always, you know, think in terms of, say, probably a good idea to seek some advice or at least a consultation with a professional so that I can get, you know, I can get some a different perspective on things. Well, here is a way that you can set up the time to meet for a free consultation of your financial situation with Glenn Mosseller and the team at Roadmap Financial Consulting. You can do that online at greensbororetirement.com. Again, that's greensbororetirement.com. Or you can call Glenn at 336-291-3535. That's 336-291-3535. Either way, we'll put you in touch and allow you to have a conversation like we've had on the podcast today. These are some of my Thoughts about the financial world, Glenn? Am I off base? Am I on track? Do I have the right kind of retirement preparation in place, or do I need to make some changes? That's a big part of the conversation, and Glenn can walk you through that. GreensboroRetirement.com online. Click on free consultation at the bottom of the page to set up that time to meet, or again, call 336-291-3535. Thanks for joining us today on the podcast. We'll talk to you again next time on the Retirement Roadmap. 